if you would uh, pray with me before we open God's Word together. Lord, we thank you uh, for the gift of your Word. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Uh, We just pray right now as we come to your Word that uh, we can't do this on our own. We can't understand this rightly. We can't apply this rightly to our hearts without the moving of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask that you would move freely in this place that you would come and you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would lead us in all truth, that you would point us more fully to Jesus and what he's done for us, that you would point us more fully to your plan of salvation and the way that you're moving, that you would show us what you would have for us in all things. We just confess this morning that we cannot do this on our own and we need you to be here leading us and guiding us in this place. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, I don't know uh, if you can think of a specific example, maybe in the last uh, year or two, if you think back on just where you've had a very difficult uh, decision to be made, maybe with a job or a relationship or a friendship or whatever's going on in your life, and you desperately want to know uh, what God would have for you, have God's will in your life or what that looks like, and so you, you wrestle with that, and maybe you start to pray a little more than you have in the past and you start to ask those questions and you start to seek him. And I think a lot of times we go through those cycles of different things. And what happens often is when difficult times come, it kind of squeezes us into then really seeking God in those ways and asking him and him wanting his will to be revealed in our life. And I think if we're honest, all of us would want that. If we believe in a God that has revealed himself as in the Bible and we believe these things that we say we do, then we would want to be living in accordance with what his will is and what he would have for us and what he'd be calling us to. I would say even people who would say, I I don't know about Jesus. I'm not sure about the Bible. not sure where I am in my faith would still say they want to kind of be in the the sweet spot, so to speak, maybe in their job or their relationship or their hobbies or their friendships or whatever it may be. We all want to kind of find that place where we feel like things fit together together. Uh, Our gifting is lining up with opportunities that we have. And so even if you take the spiritual out of that, I think most of us would agree that's that's the truth. We're looking for that in different ways. We want to to kind of fit in in the right way. Uh, I remember being in high school and you take uh, these these tests, these kind of aptitude tests, and you would take them and uh, the guidance counselor would then look over them with you and it would tell kind of where you were gifted where you're maybe more naturally gifted in different ways, but then it would also tell you your personality and what you would enjoy, and they'd give you rankings and different things. And what they were doing, it was a good thing. What they were doing is they were trying to help you find kind of where you would fit in in a job and in life and in different things. And I would say all of us want that, even if we take the spiritual part out of it. We still want to have that. You know, we want to have those opportunities where an opportunity arises and it meets kind of our gifting and where we are and we can step in. You go, oh, yes, I'm ready for this. I'm going to do this and things go well, whether it's a job, relationship, whatever it may be. The same is true uh, when we're not ready for that. Right. The opposite of that. I remember being in school and I hated when the teacher would call on me. Right. They'd say and they always and teachers do this really well. You learn classroom management and all. They'd always call on you when you're not listening. Right. Uh, Mr. Morris, what do you think on that? And you go, uh, I don't know. You know, like I had no idea because you weren't paying attention or whatever it was. And that was the worst to me. That was like the worst feeling. Oh, so miserable. Or when you're listening and you don't know the answer and then they call on you and you already know if you don't know the answer. And so that's a terrible feeling. And so even if it's not the spiritual part, just in our life, if we kind of feel out of step with where we, we think we should be or where we want to be, that can be difficult. 
Will you add to that spiritually, not walking in what God would have for us? It's the same thing. Being out of step of God's will in our life and what he wants for us, that's going to bring problems and frustrations and different things where we're out of step in those ways. And so I say all that this morning because we're going to go back to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 12 to 17 that we looked at. We, we touched on ever so briefly last week. We read those. And we had one minute and then we were done. And so I want to go back and give time to those verses. And the way I want us really to look at this is I think what Paul's doing in a lot of ways is helping us to discern what it looks like to kind of be in that sweet spot, to be in the place where we're in God's will, we're following the spirit in our life. And so I want us to see what he tells us, because I think it helps us to see that picture more clearly, to see uh, practically, it's very practically helpful in our lives when we see, we see what he's saying here and what that looks like in our lives as we look at that. And so the picture, I want us to just to remind you as we look at this, I think this is a good picture, verses 12 to 17, of what it looks like to be yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life. To be walking in step with who God is and the way He's revealed Himself and His Spirit leading us. And so just let me remind you before we even look at those verses, before we even step into that, uh, the promises of God and what He gives us. In Christ, that is, if you've put your faith in Jesus alone uh, by your, for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins, we often say uh, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. That's the way our salvation looks. It's all what Jesus does for us, not what we could ever do. We are separated from God because of our sin. Paul even says earlier in verse 7, the wrath of God rests on us apart from Jesus, but now in Christ we have that relationship with God. And when you do that, when you put your faith in Christ, you profess your need for a Savior, the promise in the Scriptures is that God now gives you the Holy Spirit. The very Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the person and work of the Holy Spirit comes in your life and begins to regenerate and remake you and live within you when you profess Christ, when you put your faith in Him. That's all believers everywhere of all time. That's not like super Christians get the Holy Spirit and some don't. Or some get part of it and some don't get part. You get the Holy Spirit in full in your life when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the promise of Scripture. And I want to make sure we see that and think on that. But I also want us to balance that in that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. As we ignore His leading in our life, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can make it where it's harder to discern his voice because we're piling things on top of it as we walk away from him and we ignore him. And so we want to be careful that we say that. But he doesn't leave you. doesn't forsake you. doesn't go away. He's there to, to draw you to Christ, to point you to Jesus, to bring you in relationship with the Father. And it's a wonderful promise that we have. In Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in fullness in your life. And when you start to read through Scripture and you see the ways that it tells us all the things that the Spirit does in our life. He empowers our prayers. He empowers our praise. I like to just stop and point out when I see the Holy Spirit working. This morning when we're singing uh, nothing but the blood of Jesus and you can hear the voices and people are feeling that and you're excited about what Christ has done for you. That is the Holy Spirit bearing witness inside of you. Just so you know... <laughs> When you get excited over that and you feel that inside of you, we need to name that that is the Holy Spirit at work in this place. So just make sure you see that. He not only empowers our praise and our worship, he empowers, gives us uh, repentance. 
He brings to mind sin in our life, but then he immediately turns us to Christ and points us back to what Jesus has done for us. He prays when we don't know how to pray. Romans tells us that there's times when we don't even know what to say, and the Holy Spirit intercedes and prays in ways that we can't even understand. You see how cool that is? That God has come and taken up residence inside of you, and when you're not sure how to go forward and how to pray, he steps in and prays for you and with you and in you to the Father. It's an incredible promise when you think about it, that you have this picture of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And so I'd say to you, you want to be in the sweet spot, you want to be in God's will, you'll be yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life. Just a reminder, John chapter 16. Sometimes I forget this, I need to hear this over and over. But in John 16 and verse 7, Jesus says this. So Jesus talking in the upper room the night before he would go to the cross. He's looking ahead to going to the cross and then his resurrection and his ascension, and he's teaching the disciples, and he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus says, it's better for you that I go away. And then the next thing he says, for if I do not go, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. The helper that he's talking about is the Holy Spirit. And so hear this as you sit here today. Jesus says that you have it better with the Holy Spirit indwelling you than if you were physically walking with Jesus as his disciple 2,000 years ago. You hear that? You have it better. It is better for you that I go away because what I'm going to do here, I'm going to purchase your salvation, I'm going to complete this work, and then I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit in full. That's Jesus' words to us. And so I say all that when we think on that and we start to, to think on what Paul says here, it begins to kind of shine a light on what the Holy Spirit and following him looks like. And I think the more that we kind of name that and point to that and see that, the more we see the Holy Spirit in all things. And the more we yield to him, the more we become fully formed disciples. We say almost every week, discipleship is coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ in every area of your life. And so the more that we yield to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit and Jesus and our obedience to him are always going to be perfectly together. The Holy Spirit is always going to point us to a fuller uh, coming under the lordship of Jesus more fully, always. And so as we yield, those things go hand in hand together. They're, they're synonymous. They go right together. And so as we think on that, we need to continue to look to that. And so the more that we recognize and see it, the more clearly it helps. The more we name those things, I should say, I think the more clearly it helps us to recognize them. Uh, I've mentioned before, my undergraduate degree was in architecture. So I learned a bunch of different things about architecture. My grandfather was an architect. And I used to love to go drive around with him in this little town that he grew up in. And he would point out all these things that he built. And as we would go through, he'd point out different things. He'd say, now they really messed that up because they did the stone wrong. He should be turned this way and not this way. And you go, oh, okay, yeah. And he would explain to you why. Or he'd say, that dormer is too big for that roof, and here's why. And he'd explain to me why. And once he did that, once he pointed those things out, I couldn't go by anything like that again and not see it. It was everywhere. Oh, that stone's terrible. And that dormer's terrible. You know, he ruined all these buildings for me because they were out of proportion and all these things. Well, I say that when we begin to see what the Holy Spirit does, and what he, how he's moving and the way he works, then we start to recognize the movement in the Holy Spirit in all these different ways. By pointing it out and by seeing it, we more clearly recognize it. And so that's what I want us to do as we look at these verses together today. 
And so this is the way I wanted to look at it. Three things here. First, character that is consistent with leading of the Holy Spirit. Actions that are consistent with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, motivation that is consistent with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so by seeing those things, we can clearly see how God's moving in all these different ways. And so let's look at what Paul says here. Go back to these verses that we looked at just so briefly last week and just consider character that is consistent with the Holy Spirit. And so look at what he says in verse 12. Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And so he says there right in verse 12, put on then. It's kind of pointing back to what we looked at. Just just a very quick recap as we're working through Colossians. He told us last week as we looked at the first of chapter 3 that you are now in Christ. You are dead to your earthly passions, put to death that which is earthly in you. You're no longer this. You are now in Christ. He says that in uh, verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. That's who you now are. That is your identity in Jesus. You're no longer this. You are now this. And so he says, put away these things. He talks about our speech. He talks about sexual sins. We looked at that last week. You're no longer this. But now he starts to tell you what it looks like to yield to the Spirit, to follow Him, who you now are in Christ. Right? You're not this. You are this. So put on then, and he says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, just a reminder of who you are in Christ. You're chosen by God. You're holy. That is, you're set apart. You're wholly devoted to God. And he says, you're beloved. You're now a beloved son or daughter of the Most High God because of what Jesus has done for you. Just a reminder. I love that Paul continually goes back to that. You're hidden in Christ with God and you're holy and beloved and you're set apart to God. And he says, so that's who you are. And then he says, this is what it looks like. You're no longer this, but you're now this. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. In Christ, that's what it looks like. That's who you are because of what Jesus has done for you. He's removed your sin, right, as we sang All our sins are stones in the bottom of the ocean. He's removed that. As far as east is from west, your sins are no longer there. He's now indwelling you in the Spirit. You're now with Christ. And so this is what it looks like. And so when we think about yielding to the Holy Spirit and walking in that, we're going to be filled with kindness and humility and compassion and meekness and patience. And so it's easy to say that and go, well, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit That's what it looks like. That's what the character of someone being led by the Spirit looks like. And so I want to be very practical in application as you just think about this this morning. Last week we said we put away these things because this is not what it looks like. Right? And we talked about the the speech that we use. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk. It's no longer this. It's now compassion and kindness and all these things. And so I want to ask the question this morning, where in your life are you looking more like verse 8 than you are like verse 12? Maybe it's who in your life that you're responding to more like verse 8 than verse 12. I would venture to guess, and this may not be everybody, but I'd venture to guess that the people that have maybe wronged you, that you're struggling with, you're more like verse 8 than you are like verse 12. 12. Right? People that have maybe wronged you, you can get in your mind that it's okay for me to talk behind their back. It's okay for me to say these things because I'm really right and they really wronged me. And they may have. 
There may be somebody in your life right now that has really treated you poorly and you feel very justified in talking down or bad about them. Maybe that's where you are. Or maybe you're struggling with having patience with someone, being kind to them and all those things. And it's for very good reason in your own mind. Maybe that's somebody here. I would guess that that's some of us, if we're honest, at different times. We struggle with different people in different ways. And so we begin to maybe gossip or we begin to talk down about them. Or when somebody will listen, we'll go, hey, well, did you hear what so-and-so did? Right? Or sometimes we cloak it in self-righteousness. We say things like, I just need to tell you what so-and-so did to me so you'll understand. Right? You know what that is. That's saying, let me gossip to you and talk down about this person so that you'll understand why I'm upset at them. Right? You'll understand why I'm not forgiving and loving and kind and compassionate right now because I have good reason. Right? I, basically, you see how that's self-righteousness. I'm looking down at this person because they've done these things and so now they don't deserve my forgiveness and all these other things. And so we hide it in that way. And so please hear me. This is going to sound, I'm going to step on your toes, but that's because what, this is what it says. And sometimes that happens, right? Hebrews says that God's word is living and active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it reveals our motives. Simply put, if you're gossiping and you're talking bad and you're not forgiving and you're being impatient with people, you, that is your flesh and you're not being led by the Holy Spirit in those areas. And not only that, you're out of step with God's will for you in your life. And I say that because I want your best, and your best is not ignoring the Holy Spirit in your life. It's going to cause problems in your life. And so we like to cloak it in different ways, like it's not that big of a deal, and it's okay, or I'm justified in this area. But what he says here is who you are now in Christ, holy and beloved, set apart to God, what it looks like is that you're going to be kind and humble and meek and patient. And I want you to think about why. Why is that so important? Why do we want to be so in step with the Holy Spirit in all things? And the answer simply is what we go back to all the time. Why did God make us? Why were we created? And the answer in Scripture is we are created to glorify God in our lives. Glorify means to reflect back who God is. To show clearly what God's like. We are His image bearers. Made in his image after his likeness to reflect back who he is. And so to glorify him, I want you to think about that. If we're going to glorify who God is, when people treat us poorly, what would that look like? That we're gracious and that we're kind and that we're humble and we're compassionate. It's not talking bad about them. It's not not forgiving. It's not being impatient with people. We're doing the opposite. Instead of glorifying God, we're doing the exact opposite. We're not doing what he's called us to do when we did that. And so when I read this and think this is what it looks like to yield the spirit, and then I go and I examine my own heart, suddenly I see very clearly the areas of my life I'm not walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not pointing the finger at anybody that's me. There's times when I'm struggling and I'm impatient and I'm easily upset over things, and I stop, and I ask these questions, and I look at what it says, and I see clearly I'm not yielding to the Spirit in my life. And that's going to cause all kinds of issues. Now, I want to be careful when I said character consistent with the Holy Spirit. The truth is you can read kind of this list, and you go, well, I don't do that. 
I don't slander and I don't obscene talk and I don't do that. But what's going on in your heart is when you see the person that really feel like wronged you or upset, you grit your teeth and you pretend like everything's okay. I don't have a problem with that person. And you try to smile like you're right. But in your heart, you're doing all these things. You're, you're very impatient and you're frustrated and you're not uh, acting in compassion and kindness for that person. You're doing the opposite. You're just not showing it. You're putting on a good front. And let's be careful when we, when we say that and we look at that, we're still not in step with the Holy Spirit in our life. We're still rejecting what God would have for us when we do that. God cares about what's going on in your heart. Right? Yeah, you can profess with your mouth, but if your heart is far from Him, that's not, that's not glorifying Him, even at that most deepest level. And so be careful when we say character consistent with the Holy Spirit and walking in the will of God is that we're going to be loving and kind. And even if we're doing a good job of not letting it come out of our mouth, God cares about your heart. And so the picture here, I want us just to see that, is if you're unforgiving and you're talking down and you're holding these things against people and you have resentment and you're impatient, you're out of step with the Holy Spirit. Now, we said we want to name the things that the Spirit does. If you sit here today and you're convicted and you go, yeah, that is me. I'm doing that with this person and this person. God's bringing someone to your mind. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, convicting you of sin. And you thank God for that and you rejoice in that. Because God loves you so much that he's not going to allow you to just sit and stew in that. He says, I have something so much greater for you. Now the problem is we immediately will take that and we'll go to shame and we'll go to guilt. We'll go, oh, I stink. And I, can't, oh, I am doing that. I'm terrible. Well, guess what? That's not the Holy Spirit. That's, what, that's not what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts you of sin and then he immediately points you to Christ and the love and the forgiveness that is found in him. And so when you start to go into, oh, I can't believe how bad I am. That is the enemy attacking you. And you turn and you look at Christ and what he's done for you and that you are forgiven, that you are beloved and holy and set apart as a chosen one. You are hidden in Christ with God. Don't allow those voices to come in and speak lies into your life that are not in step. And so it's important for us to say and to name and to see those things so that we see clearly when the Holy Spirit is speaking. And the more we see that, we go, well, that's, in, that's opposite of what Scripture says, so I know that's not the Holy Spirit. Then we start to see it more clearly. Do you understand how those go hand in hand together? And so that's the first part of the, the character consistent with the Holy Spirit. But then when we're walking with Him, what do we do as we begin to walk in step with the Holy Spirit? What are some things that we, action steps we take? Well, look at what He says in 13 and 14 and 15. So you put on these things, compassionate heart, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, there's verse 13, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to indeed which you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another and all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so when you start to say, well, what do we do? What are action steps kind of that are in step with the Holy Spirit is that we're going to walk together and we're going to seek to bear one another and forgive each other. That's what it looks like. 
And so if you, you kind of go in your mind that this, whatever, somebody's upset you or these things are going on or whatever, and so your answer is, I'll just avoid that person, especially if they're a believer, right? Because we're to have a unity because the same Holy Spirit that dwells in you dwells in me and that God's not divided. Especially if they're a believer, we're supposed to be walking in unity and forgiving and caring together and doing that together. It's not just I'll grip my teeth and I'll stay away from them and then that'll be okay. Right? That's not walking in the power of God's Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit in your life if that's your resolution. I just won't go there. <laughs> right? Because that means there's something in our heart that we haven't de- dealt with, that we haven't let God kind of work out of us and work through us and in us by His Spirit. And so that's not what it looks like. And so He tells you you're going to be forgiving and walking with and bearing with one another. It goes back to exactly what we talked about last week in verses 9 and 10, if you were here with us. Right? He says in verse 9, Don't lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Right? I said that last week, that we are to be gospeling, yes, verb, gospeling one another daily. And so when we're frustrated together and we're not seeing eye to eye or we're not getting along, we're to bring the gospel to bear on that in our relationship, which should lead to forgiveness and it should lead to bearing with one another. That's the way it should begin to work out in our lives. Now, that's not easy. A lot of times that's very difficult. It brings to surface a whole lot of things. But God is bigger than that. And he wants to see unity and love binding us together in all things. And so we begin to walk forward Doing that, beginning to see that together. And so this picture that we want us to see here is what are we doing is that we're speaking the truth. We're walking arm in arm together. We're forgiving one another. We're speaking the truth to each other. We're not just ignoring those things. And then there should be a unity that grows out of that, which is what he says in verse 14 and 15. Above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. It's the utmost importance as believers, we're not just gritting our teeth and and just going, oh, I have a problem with that person, but I'm just not going to talk to them. Think of why Jesus says, you will know my disciples by the way you love each other. And for a bunch of Christians not getting along and oh, I'll just ignore that guy and stay away from him. That's not good. I mean, that's not pointing, that's not yielding to the Holy Spirit in our life. That's not what God would have for us, as it says right here. And so we're to be walking in that unity and speaking truth to each other. Now, if we're struggling with that, and if you're a human and you're alive, you're struggling with that in some area of your life, right? Our fleshliness continues to bubble up in us, which he says, put to death that which is fleshly in you. Right? When you see things apart from the way God has them and you just see them in the here and now, basically, you're not seeing the full picture, we can begin to bubble up. And So how do we combat that? Well, he tells you in verse 16 and 17, very practically helpful as you begin to walk. And I'm struggling with this. What does he say in verse 16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And so when you're struggling with uh, forgiveness 
you're struggling with going to people and preparing those relationships and speaking the truth. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You're always going to see clearly what the Holy Spirit's doing and what he would have you do and what he would would want you to do when you open God's word. It's always going to be perfect accordance. The Holy Spirit inspired and was working through and it says exactly this is God's word and it's eternal and perfect and life-giving and it's always going to be in direct accordance together. And he says, so let that word dwell richly in you. But then notice the next thing he says. You know, sometimes in our minds, Americans, right, today, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. I need to go get me a Bible study and I need to get me a workbook and I need to go hole up and do this and really study and hunker down so I can have the word of Christ. That's fine and that's good. But you've got to do the second part, right? What does he say right after that? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. You see this over and over. The Bible never calls us in isolation to go study God's word on our own and just that. It's always applying it to our lives as we go. Think of what Jesus says. Go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I commanded. It's never just, the Great Commission wasn't teach them all that I said. He doesn't say that. He says teach them to obey all that I commanded. And so when we have the word dwelling in us, then it becomes uh, to life in our lives as we begin to admonish one another and walk together and apply it and do that. And so we see, just like we talked about last week in verses 9 and 10, he says this over and over. One another, one another, one another. You need each other in doing that. And so we let the word dwell in us richly. And then he says, then you, you sing songs together. Just as we did this morning. If you're struggling with forgiveness, you're struggling with those different things. And then we gather together and we sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing that I have done, it's only the blood of Jesus. And we remind each other of that. And we begin to sing those songs and we begin to encourage one another and do that over and over. And so Paul points us to that. We're to have unity and love and forgiveness and all these things that he's pointing us to and the importance of dwelling richly in God's word and being in community together and encouraging one another, those go hand in hand. It's going to be both of those things together Always. And so if we want to be in the middle of God's will, you want to be yielding to the Holy Spirit in your life. The word of God's going to dwell richly in you. You're going to be forgiving people. You're going to be loving people. You're going to be unified together. We're going to be uh, praising his name. We're going to be encouraging one another. That's right in the middle of what the Holy Spirit's at work and doing. And so we're called. Those are the things that we're to be doing as we seek to follow God's will. Now, we'll have a whole lot of other applications, but that's what he says real clearly right here. And so the last part I want us to think about is just the motivations that are in step with the Holy Spirit. You've got these actions, you have these character traits, but what is the motivation? And so look at verse 7. Go back to where we were last week. He's just told you to put to death everything that is earthly in you. In verse 5, he talks about sexual sin. In verse 6, and then, or verse six, he then says, On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In our sins, apart from Christ, the wrath of God rests on us. And in verse 7, he says, In these you too once walked when you were living in them. Right? He reminds you of who you were apart from Christ and what it looks like to reject Christ and not to be in Him. The wrath of God rests on you as you ignore him in the world he created. 
But then look at what he says in verse 13. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Talk about the motivation that is in step with the Holy Spirit. Is that you see your humility is born out of this is all what Jesus. It's exactly what we just say. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing good that I have done. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's what Christ has done for me. And so when I, in my mind, in my flesh, decide, well, I'm not going to talk to that person, or I don't like that, or let me tell you what they did, or I'm not forgiving, and I'm not patient, and I'm not kind, and I'm not all those things, I'm forgetting who I am in Christ. They're no different than I am. It is all but the grace of God. You too were walking in these ways, but do you not remember that God has forgiven you? And so our motivation becomes we want to glorify what is now true of us in Christ and what he's done for us. And so we become gracious and kind and long-suffering and forbearing. And we do all those things because that's exactly the way God has treated us. It is a way to glorify and point more fully to who he is and what he's done. And it makes it so much clearer. And so that picture here is that all that we have is his. All that we are, any righteousness in my life is because of Christ and what he's done. It's all him. And so that erases any, how in the world can I not forgive somebody? With how kind Jesus has been to me, how can I not be kind to other people? It doesn't make any sense to say I'm in Christ with God and then act counter to that. And so this is so important when we think about it. I want to point you to the the work of the Holy Spirit and what that looks like. There's a joy and a fullness of joy. There's a fulfillment that is lived and walking in step with the Spirit. You want to be in the sweet spot in your life and all these things in all these ways. You will be in step with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean... Hard times won't come, but it means you'll be able to walk right through those trusting him and what he's doing. What a wonderful place to be. And so if I step on your toes with this is not walking in step with the Holy Spirit and this is, it's because I love you and I want your best. Thankfully, God loves us enough to convict us of sin and point us back to what he's doing. And so we should praise him and thank him for that. So let's pray. God, we thank you for the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are here with us, that you are living and active, that you are teaching, that you are walking with us, that you are opening our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word. We thank you that when we uh, praise you, when true praise happens, when we're excited about who you are and what you've done, that that is evidence of your grace through the Holy Spirit in our life. And I thank you that you are here and you are present and you are doing that. I pray that you would help us to walk more fully trusting and following you in all things. And it would be for your name and for your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.